Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the uh, B3 podcast. Quite a slim one this week as uh, most people have been to EGX today and I'm too tired, including me, I'm very tired. But I'm here and I'm joined by uh, Leo. Hey everyone. Hey. And uh, this week we're going to talk about sort of survival crafting games as it's uh, a fairly popular genre but also one that seems to have peaked and we're not really sure what the future's going to be so if you want to start us off Leo then we'll go from there I think the most interesting part of the survival crafting genre is that it's as it is now the combination is new but the individual concepts are not most of them not all of them like all, all of what I'm going to say doesn't necessarily apply to every single one of them but a lot of them are part first-person shooter or combat game. They are a bit of a occasionally hunting simulator uh, builder game and a Minecraft game, if you want to use that term, and might also have role-playing elements. Occasionally, they're also story games and stuff, but so none of that is really new or was new when survival crafting became popular, but the combination is. And I think that's both a strength and also a bit of the weakness because it means to have a good and functional game of that genre, you'll also have to get so many things right. You can't just have one good first-person shooter. You also need to balance all the other aspects. And I think that makes it quite a challenge to develop, but can also make it quite a unique experience because it does mix things up. And it does give you something new even if the parts it's made of are, are already established. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely agree that 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 genre does bring in, you know, elements from everywhere. I mean, I think, like like you say, it's it's a, a game all about balance, and that's why I think, uh, say for example, Minecraft, which is probably the biggest example of the genre that we're talking about, is a constantly evolving product. So you know, they've gone full release, but since then they've had. Um, probably, I mean, there are 13 major releases, but there's smaller ones in between there as well, always adding new bits, fixing bugs and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, a very nice, it's sort of a, a living product. It's a, it, it just keeps going. And uh, like you say, my, so Minecraft is probably the, the most well-known of the, of the genres. Um, but there's been quite a few others that have bought other elements uh, into it, like you say, with um, RPG elements and there's even games that have taken elements from the genre and added it to something else like Fortnite has resource gathering and building in it yeah that's true so and i think fallout has a survival mode of sorts or there's some sort of mod that adds essentially makes everything more like a survival game yeah so i think survival mode was a mod in three and i think new vegas and four added it officially but yeah, where you had to you had to drink, you had to eat, um, and things like that. But obviously, Fallout Four also, and actually, no, Fallout New Vegas also added the resource gathering and crafting mechanics to it, um, for at least for weapons. And then Fallout Four had the entire base building part to it as well. So yeah, the it's it's not locked down really to a single genre, like you say. It's almost any game can have survival and crafting aspects in it now. It's all been sort of you know Minecraft came around and then it blew up and everyone sort of 
piecemeal taking bits and bobs here and there and adding it to their own games. Yeah, I think what's what's a bit interesting is that the the core survival aspect, which often is, are those infamous meters, like your hunger meter and your thirst meter, occasionally stamina. I'm also feeling those become gradually less you could argue that is kind of the core because that is the survival aspect. Of course, there can also be enemies, but enemies killing you in a video game, that's that's pretty standard. That's not, not, not unique to a survival game. Yeah, that's not new. There's a feeling the, the whole meters aspect, uh, that's a bit... I think it's hard to balance because I, I'm struggling to think of many games that strike a fair balance between your character not having to drink every five minutes or they immediately die of thirst which can be a bit frustrating, or having to drink only every couple of hours, making it almost pointless. And I think that's it's quite difficult. It might also just end in busy work. So this that seems to be a core aspect that almost seems to become uh, less attractive. And I experienced that with The Long Dark, which is a, a survival game. It's It does have some crafting elements, but it's mainly survival. It takes place in northern Canada. Uh, in a snowy region. And it does have the drinking and the food gathering aspect, etc. But it does also mean that your character needs to consume about one deer per day. Which you could argue is not uh, not the most realistic representation, but obviously it's a video game. Yeah, it's a nobody bit over wants the top. to play yeah, but... yeah. No, nobody wants to play a video game that is an accurate re- representation of their own life. Uh, so but it, it does it does struggle to to find the balance. Because obviously uh, you could have say if you play this game for just a couple of in-game days, you wouldn't have to eat at all because you can survive for some time without food, but that would render the actual survival aspect pointless. But at the same time, you don't want to have your your character consume mountains of food on a daily basis or or uh, starve in their sleep. Yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. It's also, like you say, the, the balance has to be very carefully made because... Obviously, if if you've never played a game before, you're probably going to end up dying very quickly, which I found with... Oh, I can't remember what game it is. But there was a game I couldn't get anywhere. It was a bit like a... It was a surviving crafting kind of game, but it was almost also a roguelike, so it was randomly generated, and, you know, when you died, you started from the beginning again. But but I I can't remember what game it is, and I haven't got my Switch nearby. (laughs) Oh, Flame in the Flood. Flame in the Flood. Okay. Flame in the Flood. So it's a game where you, you basically start out with a few basic resources which are randomly generated at the beginning. And you're on a raft and you, you're sailing down this river. And the point of the game is to get literally as far as you can down this river. And as you're traveling down there, you've got sort of stops every now and again that you can jump off and look around for materials and, and things like that but i mean i i literally couldn't get to grips with that game at all and didn't get very far at all because it's very 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 hardcore but in the same vein a person who's good at it and knows what they're looking for will be they'll go all right i need that 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 okay i'm done now and then the, the sort of the hunger and aspect act, hunger aspect becomes almost pointless it's a bit okay. like it's a bit like Minecraft. If you have a good first couple of days in Minecraft, you've got food for days and you've never got to worry about it. But if you're unlucky or you don't really know what you're doing, it can be a struggle. That's true. But Minecraft has an end game, or at least if you want to consider constructing obscene huge statues 
or trying to reach space with a gigantic staircase and endgame. So. <laughs> well, I guess, to be honest, Minecraft does actually have an ending now. It's had one for, it? okay. for a while. So, yeah, if you get through, you know, you go through the main world and then you have to go to the nether to get the resources to get to the end. Once you kill the ender dragon, you actually now get an ending and there's a story and, and everything. Okay. But it wants is it for Minecraft? So is it for Minecraft story mode or for the for the core game? This is for the core game. They just they just okay. put it in um, after full release. But I mean, literally, you you get this ending, and once you see that ending, you end up back at your spawn point, and you can just carry on. So it's just you've done this, and it kind of gives you a bit of context of of what it is. And it's okay. kind of it's kind of fourth wall breaking, and it's sort of saying, "Oh, you're the player, and you're." in this world but yeah. that's, all, that's, all, that's all by the by but yeah it, it does have an ending now but, I mean okay. so what, what other games have we got one one I played recently was a game called Staxel and this was another game that took elements of multiple genres and put them together so Staxel was very much block based like Minecraft and is sort of randomly generated but also um, is basically a 3D Stardew Valley. So you've got to do the, the farming and, and help out the townspeople and get to know them, and you've got all that relationship and farming aspect, but you do play it like Minecraft. You chop down trees to get your wood to build your workbenches, and you get you buy your seeds to... And that was quite interesting, and that was a, that was a fun little game. And that had everything from Minecraft, you know, the proper sort of almost... It wasn't so much survival, but you did have to eat and, and things like that. And they concentrated more on the farming aspect. But it's just another example of genres mashing together over this survival gameplay. Yeah, I think since you mentioned Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley is kind of like that. I think it's pretty much Harvest Moon, but Harvest Moon didn't have... I only played the... Well, the Super Nintendo Harvest Moon, I didn't play the right releases, yeah. but that Harvest Moon at least had only the actual farming and there wasn't any real survival. You, you couldn't starve. And I think if you animals couldn't starve, or at least I think they just stopped giving you milk or eggs if you if they weren't feed, fed properly. And you could, could customize your farm a little bit in the sense that you could plant fences and seed flowers, but you couldn't really do the crafting like you could do in Stardew Valley. So I think Stardew Valley is yeah, it's um, another game that takes a, essentially a full game's concept and then adds these elements in addition to the socialization and I think a little bit some side quests and stuff like that and the fishing minigame, of course. Stuff like that on top of that. But I think it does a little bit, well, wouldn't necessarily say better, but what Stardew Valley doesn't quite suffer from is that it drops all the survival aspect in and rather than making you survive, it just gives you penalties for failure, such as, I think if you get killed in the mines, you just lose random items. And if you don't eat properly, you get exhausted, but you don't you don't just die in the spot and it's game over. And so you get, you get a penalty, you get a road bump, but the game doesn't just kill you off and says, send you back to the title screen. Yeah, there's not a complete foul state in Stardew Valley, is there? It's just, it just kind of hinders you the next day or so. Yeah, I guess you could consider essentially having no money at the end of the, the time period and, I don't know, have making no social contacts a failure state, but I think you'd almost have to deliberately try to get there to to achieve that. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. 
Um, another, what was another? There's another game that I really like as well, which I think it's my yes, most played yes. game on Steam. Go on, you go, you go ahead. Yeah, so there's there's Ark, like the uh, prehistoric or loosely prehistoric survival. Well, oh, survival evolved. Survival, yeah, yeah, it's survival evolved. But I think it has a, it has a more, it has a stronger community aspect because not just you versus the environment; it's also you versus other players or other other tribes. And I think that I'm not quite sure whether that was a good idea. Obviously, people a lot of people like it, so it was a good idea in that regard. But I'm not quite sure whether that would be the right thing for me because my experience with that game was that you need to know exactly what to do and you were very vulnerable to other players. So in addition to struggling with the environment, you also struggle with the behavior of other people, which the developers only have so much control over. Yeah, that's that's the problem I have with those those things and issues that I ran into on Minecraft servers is, is when you have that multiplayer human element, it's it's very tough because you're going to end up with players that are massively, you know, one, they're going to know the game better than you. Two, if it's a sort of a living world, they're probably going to have more stuff than you when you start. So you already just start on that back foot and you really have to want to fight to to get to the point where you can survive. Otherwise, you just end up dying over and over again in a cycle. And it kind of ruins the game a lot of the time. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, there's another game. I think it's, it's my most played game on Steam. And it's a game called Portal Knights. Portal Knights. I yeah. have not played that. Well, this is a this is a game that very much takes the Minecraft formula and runs with it again. So it's you know block based voxels, randomly generated worlds, but is heavily RPG envi- uh, inspired. So you start by choosing your character, which is either a a, a warrior, a archer, or mage. Your standard three things and it has a full leveling up system full skill tree um you know stuff like that and abilities and skills and and, and things like that and and the way the, the world is generated is lots of individual kind of pocket worlds so it's not just one big open world like minecraft you might have like you start off with a, a grassy area and then the next one sort of a water-based area and then you go to another one and it's a desert kind of area but it's, but that's very much a survival game, where you have to you have to get your food and you have to get your plants and you have to drink and the whole point is is to basically fix all these different portals in the world to get further and further and further along into the game and there's something like fifty islands that you have to go through and either I've played it for about hundred and twenty odd hours and I've only got about twenty five of the one percent of the way through. But it's a okay. it's a it's a very very fun game, and it just adds you know a full RPG story and NPCs and everything to that standard Minecraft sort of formula. And so, how does the game work between islands? So, does it reset you when you get to the next island, and or can you take your the stuff you crafted with you? Oh yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it's a constant progression. So, your first island you start on, you you know, you you get a quest to basically fix this house up. Uh, and that's so you fix that house up and eventually you get portal blocks that take you to the next island. But you always keep your stuff and the way, and 
way resources work is that each island will only generate a certain resource. So okay. you have to continue on and carry on, uh, you know, m- making your way through these different islands so you can get the different resources. And it's actually done quite well because that's kind of gates off your progress. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So, I mean, there's, unlike Minecraft where you've got like one crafting bench, in in Portal Knights, I think there's about nine that do different things. So you've got one specifically for clothing and you've got an archer-specific crafting bench and, and all this kind of stuff. So, but every sort of tier of gear you've got or, or can make, you can't make until you've got to a particular island that's got that resource. So it's it spreads it out very nicely. There's no rushing to the end game. Even yeah, that was what yeah. I was wondering about because I think a couple of those games also suffer from from reaching the end a bit too quickly or getting the highest level stuff too quickly, and then you have little incentive to do anything else, and all the menial stuff like gathering food might become just uh, a bit of a, a bit of a routine or busy work. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, that's something that this completely negates. So you know, you might you might start off and you get the only metal you can get is is copper but you'll only get start getting the copper until you're about four four islands in so you stick with your basic gear level up a few times and then you start getting copper and then you know you can make the, the you know that tier of gear but it's also spread out quite quite a lot so you might have 10 or 12 islands that you have to go through before you're going to hit that next tier and also between each tier you you've normally got um a boss as well and okay. that's usually your okay. You've, you, if you can do this, boss, you're ready now to move on to the next tier. And it's yeah, it's it's a very well made and well crafted game. And I, I mean, I bought it in early access and watched it uh, grow and expand with more and more stuff. And it's had a full release, and it's out on everything now. It's PC, PlayStation Four, Xbox, Switch, the works. It's on everything now, and it's a it's it is a fantastic game to play. Because it is tiered so well and paced so so very well. Yeah, that, that was probably a good design choice. Yeah, and and I mean, there isn't even really a difficulty slider in the game, but there is. There's like world sizes, so you can when you choose small, you can walk from one side of each island to the other in probably a minute tops, but then you can have it on large, and each one will take you like half an hour to walk across from one side to the other and then the resources get spread out a lot more as well okay so what's actually the most difficult so would the the smallest island be the easiest one because yeah. everything's concentrated okay so yeah, everything's compact and concentrated together so you don't have to explore as much to get the stuff that you need but when you start getting up to the large ones i mean the small ones it's impossible to get lost but when you're on the large islands you can just completely lose where you are Go right. Where's my portal? I've got no idea. So it can it can be quite tricky. But yeah, it's a it's a very fun game. But I mean, before the podcast, you brought up a very good point in the fact that there's so many of these games, but not many of them ever actually get a full release. They either sort of stay on early access forever, or just quietly disappear. Yeah, I think. And one issue is with that is is that the aforementioned merging of so many different genres. So if you're in early access, can we say, oh, we have we have the basics now. You can craft some basic stuff. 
can hunt some basic animals, we add more stuff later. Whereas if you want to release such a game immediately with all the content, that would be a lot of content. That would probably be content equal to a role-playing game, which is not something that... This is something small developers did release, but like a full-fledged role-playing game with a complete world and everything, that's maybe more the forte of a larger publisher with a larger financial backing. And a lot of the solo crafting games seem to be from smaller developers. So I I can see the incentive of going into early access. And I can also see why you can easily get stuck there because there's no real like, finishing a line. If you have something like a racing game, you say like, oh, we want 12 different cars and you want 20 different tracks and four game modes, and then you're there. That's fine. Everybody will say that's that's a fine racing game. Yeah. With the with the server crafting game, you can you can go on forever. And you, you mentioned that with Minecraft, even though Minecraft did get a full release, it still gets updates. Yeah. They added, I think, villagers at one point, stuff like that. So you can go on forever. And that's the feeling. Uh, some games might do that. They might even reach a stage where the game could be released, but the developers still say, "Oh, I want to release this and that." And it can also be, I think, a little bit of an arms race between various games, because I'm sure some developers will take inspiration from one another and then say, oh, we want, look what they did. That sounds pretty neat. We could implement something like that. And then they continue to get stuck and might also end up in a feature creep spiral. Yeah. And I mean, I I think unless your game has got something very special, it can often be detrimental to go early access. I mean, I can see both sides because you need to go early access a lot of the time so you can have that money to continue the development. But unless you've got that certain something, that that hook, eventually the early access is going to run dry. If you stay in early access for too long, you're going to no longer get new players in, but the money you've made is going to run out. And I think that's where a lot of people fall fall down. I mean, Minecraft obviously hit gold very early uh, and you've got millions upon millions of players so they can keep going and then obviously Microsoft bought them for two and a half billion um, so that you know they've the investment's been made they, they, they're they still selling hotcakes but with a lot of the smaller ones if they haven't got that spark to keep bringing new people in early access is going to be a killer for them because it's just going to they're just going to run out of money eventually yeah, I also think that early access, I mean, it might be called early access, but at least in my opinion, ultimately, you really only get one release. And even if the formal release might not be the early access, but the actual version 1.0 release, that's not really the release. Ultimately, there's only one true release, and that is your early access release. That's when the when the interest is there, and that's likely when it's going to spike as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I completely agree. It's 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 like the whole thing is you can only make make a first first impression. Yeah, so, that's, that's, so that's yeah, true. you have, you have to you have to come out of the gate strong. I mean, if you if you come out of the gate with a game that's completely buggy and broken and things, you're gonna you're gonna ruin people's impressions day one, and then you you what you will never be able to really recover from that. I don't think. Also, think. That helped Don't Starve, which has been well, which has been fully released. Yeah, multiple times now. I think 
Yeah, I think they have done stuff together, the multiplayer version, yep. and I think there's some other add-ons or spin-offs of sorts. And I think that game also made one thing that, that you mentioned before, the one the one hallmark, like the one thing that makes you unique. I think that's its art style and yeah. its presentation. It's top-down. It looks cartoonish, but not in a, I don't mean the negative way, in the sense that it doesn't look realistic, which prevents it from looking dated immediately after a couple of years. And it looks very distinct. I can immediately identify Don't Starve. I might not be able to identify games that are supposed to look realistic, which is ultimately the intention, because if it, the more realistic it looks, the harder it will be distinguished from other games that try to achieve the same. And I think it's, but it's not only the art style, it's also everything that goes with it. It's top-down, it's not first-person, and it has this this light effect that you can, that there are always shadows at the edge of the screen. It's a little bit like a, uh, maybe like a children's book even. And I think that's that makes it quite unique. And it's mostly visual, but I think it also affects how you perceive the game and how, how you enjoy it. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you can say the same about the, the visuals about Minecraft, is that that's instantly recognizable and not something that would necessarily age quickly it's not trying to look real it's extremely low you know low resolution textures and, and things like that so it, it helps to keep it unique over something like like you previously mentioned arc which tries to go for sort of realism over everything else yeah and i think a lot a lot of the survival games have gone that that route and it's yeah it's kind of like where they fall down because they all start looking the same yeah, I also think that Minecraft can probably port it to all kinds of new systems, which has been done. Is it available for Switch? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Everything's on the Switch, so <laughs> probably not quite sure I'm asking. To be honest, it's, uh, Minecraft's on the 3DS. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, it only works on the new 3DS, but yes, it is on okay. the 3DS as well now, which is mad. <laughs> that, that is, I did not. I did not think the 3DS could pull that off, or at least... The graphics, yes, but maybe not the the scale of the game. Yeah, the yeah, well, the original 3DS. That's why it literally only works on the newer 3DS, which have got faster okay. processors I, and I, stuff. So. I, I stand corrected. Yeah, Minecraft's probably going to survive for quite quite a while. Yeah, I think it's yeah, going to be one of those games. Own. I mean, people are always going on about, well, what about Minecraft Two? What's that going? It's not going to be a Minecraft Two. It's just going to be a constantly evolving product. Yeah, I think if you went back to the original Minecraft, or let's say the first beta version. It would probably feel like the first Minecraft, and modern Minecraft would feel like Minecraft too. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I mean. Like it, it would be almost if they did bring out a Minecraft two, it probably wouldn't have as many features as the original one has now, and it would kind of feel like a bit of a step back. It's like uh, another game. What's it? What's it? Terraria. So Terraria is pretty much the probably the biggest two D survival game. Um which many people call the 2D Minecraft, but that is actually coming out with a full straight-up new Terraria 2 and apparently another secondary version to the original game as well, like a, an almost a complete overhaul to it, which is a bit a bit bizarre, and it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do for that. But I'm not quite sure that's a good idea because I think Terraria... I have. I know people have played it. I haven't played it myself, but I've I've seen, I've seen it being played. I think it lives off its mods at least up to a certain degree. And if those are not compatible with the new versions, might not actually be uh, a good idea to, to to bring out a new second version. 
but yeah. maybe but maybe they want to go in a different direction. I mean, ultimately, it might not just be that they say, oh, we want a better game. It might also be that the developer says, I want to maybe maybe calm down a little bit and do something a little different, if more basic. It it, it depends where the major player base is, because we, or in the Minecraft community, it was always considered that the PC was the biggest market, but that is in no way the case anymore. The The console market is a hell of a lot bigger, which is why now... Um, say the console versions of Minecraft are now just called Minecraft and the PC version is called Minecraft Java Edition. Okay. The PC version is now, because I mean, there's a, there's two PC versions. There's the Java Edition, which is the original Minecraft. And then there's the Windows 10 Edition, which is the remade in C++ version that's on all the other systems, like the console versions. Okay. So, so now the, the original PC version is almost the secondary version. And the console version is the major version. And obviously on those versions, there's no mods. So I can see oh, okay. with, with Terraria, if the similar situation has happened where they've seen the console, because that's on everything as well, Terraria. Um, so if they've seen the same kind of pattern where the PC version is now less played than all the different console versions, they potentially could bring out a second one and it wouldn't be a big deal because no one would be using mods anyway. That's true. And they might also just sell it as a new game. People might just see it on, on the store and say, oh, that looks interesting, without ever having played the first Terraria. Yeah, very true. Um, with Terraria, I can see that happening, but Minecraft, I don't think it can. Minecraft is, is, is just too... It, it just evolves too much. I, yeah, can, I, I, I can see the PC version disappearing at some point. The, the original Java version and then just switching gears completely to the, the newer engine version of Minecraft. Yeah, I could see that, especially if it's, it's developed by Microsoft now. We're probably not, not overly focused on having it, let's say on Linux, the, uh, well, the Java version. I think they're probably not too concerned about that. So yeah, I can see that yeah. happening. Yeah, they've definitely and put they, more they focus also... on the console one since they bought it. Yeah, and it's. I think Minecraft is a bit of a, almost a bit of an exception because the game is so well known. It's also played by a lot of people who maybe don't play a whole lot of other games. I think it's also very popular with, uh, with teenagers and other, uh, other very young gamers. Yeah, yeah. So it's, my kids play it. Even my four-year-old yeah. wants to play it, but she can't quite get to grips with it yet. Yeah, that's that's a scene. I've also at least that's a that's a bit of that's my experience that a lot of parents are uh, relatively positive towards Minecraft because it's it's quite expressive. At least more positive towards letting their children play it than they let them play from other popular games, let's say GTA Five. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not quite as suitable for uh, for younger players. Yeah, well, that's the thing with with Minecraft because it can be played so many different ways. It, you know, you know there are there are servers where you can go on and basically play a first person shooter in Minecraft. But generally speaking, kids will just play in creative mode, and at that point, it's just digital Lego. So they're just building whatever they want, and it is you know, like you say, it's a very creative uh, game. Yeah, the- I think it's also used for educational purposes, at least in some. I think some schools have used it in that way. I vaguely recall that. Yeah, I mean, on, with the, um, not necessarily the, what well, is the Windows 10 version, there is now an official educational version of Minecraft. Okay. And it has, it's even got special blocks in it. Like there's blocks where you can mix, uh, 
chemical elements and things. And so they say they, they can actually teach science classes within Minecraft now. And it's, well, it's getting a bit crazy, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, that's, hmm. we'll, we'll see how that turns out in, in a couple of years. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they, yeah, reserve but, my judgment on that. Yeah, Minecraft EDU has been used in schools all over the world, which was a special sort of server package for it where they could go in and, you know, teachers could build a world and then the kids could come in and play and they'd do, basically do lessons inside Minecraft. And okay, that's I mean, almost a bit scary. Yeah, some countries have used it for town planning and let people literally use Minecraft to design how they would like their towns. And then they've actually used their designs and gone and built them in the real world. It's... It's a bit of a crazy game. It was a bit of lightning in a bottle where it's just yeah. so open and you can do so much with it. It's almost, in some respects, gone beyond a game and become a tool set, which is... Yeah, I wonder how that's going to be viewed in the future. It might be like the the digital version of Lego. Yeah, that's that's basically what it is at the basic level. But I'm not really, obviously, we've just got to see where, where Microsoft takes it. That's uh, another good question. Yeah, they need to get their money back, don't they, for their, <laughs> their purchase? That is true. 2.5 billion, that's a considerable amount. Yeah. But I think at least with my, it will mean that Minecraft will always be compatible with whatever upgrade Microsoft makes to Windows. So that's probably assured as long as they own the IP. Yep, that is definitely true. But anyway, I think with that, it brings us to the end of uh, this week's podcast. Um, next week, hopefully we will, um, have, uh, our editor in chief, Dan, and possibly a few others, uh, to talk about the EGX, uh, event that we've, uh, been to this weekend. So from me and from Leo, we will see you next time. Bye for now. Take, take care, everyone. <laughs>